wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm Minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful, normally beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. Uh, and look, folks, I'd love to have you uh, join with us. Look, if you've got a positive thought, if you've got a comment uh, on one of the issues that uh, we discussed, if you'd simply like to say hello, you can do that by uh, texting us at our Drive Time text number 04888 80811 Eight oh eight eleven, and today we have got a ripper of a program with some um, some amazing material. I'd just love to be able to share with you. Uh, now, look, this week we're following the theme Jesus, the Spirit, and discipleship, and today we're looking at the question: uh, How are disciples made? Um, does it come naturally, or is it more than a simple simple belief? Uh, this, of course, is, is part of what we call the uh, the week of prayer. Now, this is a, a week that is celebrated by the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, every uh, every single year about this uh, time in, in early spring. It's a wonderful time of the year. And look, what we try to do is to spend time in intentional and focused prayer. Uh, my, I know my church, we meet every, every evening from 7 till 8 in person at my Brighton, 7 Adventist Church, and we're also uh, Faith FM is also celebrating uh, the week uh, with a Zoom prayer meeting. Now, look, if you'd like to join with me in prayer in the early morning, now this is running from seven till seven thirty a.m. Adelaide time. Now, look, if you'd like to join with me. All you need to do, that's via Zoom, uh, all you need to do is to email me at aussieprayernetwork at gmail.com and I'll respond to you by giving you the Zoom link to allow you to come in uh, to our prayer group. We've got a lovely group of uh, of individuals there at the present time. This morning I think we had about eight, uh, eight people that uh, joined in prayer for for half an hour but wow what powerful prayer it really was look folks if you've got a need uh, and you don't want to join that uh, zoom group but you'd just like to send a need uh, we're going to be meeting again tomorrow morning we'd love uh, you to just share us share with us your needs and we will pray uh, for those uh, for those needs now again if you'd like to join us uh, you can do that by emailing me at aussieprayernetwork at gmail.com and I'll flick you back and I'll send you the Zoom link so that you can join us in prayer. We'd love to have you. This is a, this is an important week. Uh, we believe that prayer is something that really does 
work. Now, today, of course, our uh, our co-host is our Pastor David Butcher. Now, David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Australia. David, welcome to you. Good afternoon, Gary. Hello, listeners. It is fantastic to have you back uh, back again. You keep running around all over the country, so, uh, you know, we've got to replace you uh, from week after, week after week, but, you know, it is fantastic to have you in the studio. Gary, I thought after last week, uh, which I was here, you would be happy to replace me. I was sitting where you would sit uh, with the controls and that's uh, right and we had a, through. and we had a big blank about halfway through didn't we we pushed the wrong button well you didn't i did and um it's good to know that even with your maturity you are more technically savvy than myself so it's i feel very comfortable sitting in the seat i'm in as co-host and you leading it so yeah my trouble was i could tell there was something wrong i just couldn't tell what it was that's a terror but uh, no david it's wonderful to have you back in the uh back in the studio uh, once again how are you enjoying our almost spring weather? Well, Gary, I, I laid some new turf down um, very late, actually, um, heading late, late autumn and uh, in my front, uh, front garden and, um, you know, just keeping it going over winter. And I'm starting to see it. It's it's kept green, but it's starting to grow. And I'm really excited, looking to put the fertilizer down and give it its yeah. first mow. So yeah, I need to get out into my garden. My garden is a real disgrace at the present time. I tell you what. Look, I'm almost at the point where I'm going to employ the kids next door uh, to come and uh, weed my garden for me and to make it look uh, some semblance of uh, of order. Uh, it's uh, it's a terrible state of affairs. Oh, sounds um, good, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, uh, guys, now let's come to our um, our World Watch uh, segment. Now, look, this is a, this is something that uh, uh, I, I I really appreciate. I like uh, watching what's happening in the religious world out there. You know, there are huge things that are happening in our religious world. You know, as I as I look at our religious world, I just see prophetic fulfilment time and time again. People have actually said to me, "Look, you know, do we, you know, why why the world uh, religious news section? To me, I see in the world religious world, uh, I see incredible prophetic." fulfillment at this point in time I, I believe it's an indicator that Jesus uh, is going to be coming again but look one of the uh, uh, the uh, articles that uh, came out just yesterday uh, was uh, on the Christian headlines uh, site uh, it was a survey and uh, it was entitled more than one third of senior pastors believe being a good person uh, can earn you salvation now that Picked up, and I pricked up my ears when I uh, when I read that because I thought, surely, surely that's that's not the case. But uh, apparently, the survey done by George Barner uh, does indicate uh, that uh, that reality. But there were some other things in that survey that jumped out at me even more, and uh, that's what I actually want to talk about today. But uh, let me just share with you just some of the some of the things this survey uh, did actually reveal uh, to uh, to myself, uh, according to. An New survey the cult by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. At least one third of senior pastors across the United States, and of course Australia is very similar uh, to uh, what occurs in the in the states, believe that people can go to heaven based on their good works. Now I am really staggered uh, by that particular percentage. Additionally, one third or more of senior pastors surveyed believe that the Holy Spirit is simply a symbol of God's power rather than a living entity. Moral truth, the pastors believe, is subjective and sexual relations between two unmarried people 
uh, who believe they love each other is morally acceptable. Now, of course... It's not uh, sounding good, is it? It's, is it's not sounding good. I mean, this is a third... This isn't the, a community out there in the in the big wide world. Uh, this isn't the church members who come along faithfully a week by week sitting in the pews, but rather this is the people up the front who are preaching the sermons. These are the shepherds. These are the shepherds. I mean, this has to be saying something to us. But to me, the thing that really jumped out at me are the causative factors. Now, we've spoken about some of these issues before, and I believe... These are very real issues. But this article goes further and it suggests some causative factors. Now, uh, this is uh, what uh, uh, what it continues to say. The survey results also found that only 37% of Christian, partner, uh, of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview and that a loss of biblical belief is prevalent amongst pastors in all denominational groupings. Meanwhile, pastors from non-denominational and independent Protestant churches were more likely to possess a biblical worldview. Dr. George Barner, now George Barner's comments on this I believe are insightful. Dr. George Barner of the Cultural Research Center's Director for Research said the results are connected uh, to pastors not regularly engaging in spiritual practices. Now, of course, this week we're talking about discipleship. George Barner uh, is saying that uh, the cause of the pastor's disbelief in the Bible is that they don't regularly engage in spiritual practices. While studying the spiritual behavioral patterns of pastors, it became evident that a large share of them do not have a regular spiritual Routine, Barner said. There was a correlation between possessing biblical beliefs and a consistent regimen of Bible reading, prayer, worship and confession. In some of the denominational groupings, a majority of pastors do not engage in those foundational spiritual practices on a regular basis, he continued. Yet, among the pastors who have the most consistently biblical beliefs, there's also a daily routine that incorporates all of these disciplines. Barna, now, this is something that, you may want to comment on, Barna also explained that the number of ministerial responsibilities pastors are tasked with could be one reason they barely engage in spiritual practices. Other research amongst pastors I have undertaken suggests that pastors' jobs are overwhelming, he said. The typical pastor is expected by church members to handle an enormous number and range of tasks. In such situations, it must be easy to neglect the fundamentals in order to address tasks that seem more pressing and urgent. Unfortunately, after a prolonged period of such neglect, the foundations become weak and the person changes. In this case... It's not for the better. 
Now, David, look, uh, you're the uh, lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in here in South Oz. I mean, one of the things that I would desperately hope we would actually be having are spiritual pastors. Now, in this article, the thing that I'm particularly concerned about, yes, I mean, there certainly it does talk about the, the drop-off on biblical belief of pastors, and that, to me, uh, we've spoken about, about before, and I'm incredibly concerned about that, but this article goes further and suggests there are some causative reasons for that occurring. How would you respond to that? I, I would agree that um, there's this sense of many pastors across it would be, as this uh, indicates, all denominations in that the feeling of being overwhelmed. And it seems in our day that the number of tasks and expectations on, on numerous roles in mm. life and professions, but I guess we're talking pastors, it just keeps growing. There's compliance. There is all sorts of things. You've got to be a counselor. You've got to be there to connect with the young people. You've got to be there for the grieving. You've got to be there to be by someone's bedside when they're sick. Uh, you've got to be there to mediate and to separate. You've got to be there to build up and encourage and, uh, and, and manage meetings. That's before before you go to any evangelism and uh, reaching outside of the church, this is just all maintaining uh, the, what's there at the present time. And motivating members, etc., to be to, to get out there and minister. So it, it is a... Um, if you actually just sit down, and I, I read something about a year ago, in fact it was in a pastor's manual, where it listed about 50-something different practices and activities yeah. that a minister is involved in. Mm. Now... Some of those more frequently than others, but you really have to say what is the core. And what I really, what really struck me in this article from Barna was where it says, um, in such situations, these situations where pastors feel over, overwhelmed and so many tasks, it says it must be easy to neglect the fundamentals in order to address tasks that seem more pressing and urgent. And then it goes on, unfortunately, after a prolonged period of time of doing this, neglecting the important and, and dealing with the urgent or, or neglecting the fundamentals and dealing with the urgent, um, our salvation, our connection with God, if you like, slips. And I don't know, Gary, it's so easy for, for all Christians, but pastors, I mean, pastors are meant to be the shepherds, they're, they're what people look up to, they're the people that are meant to have the, the spiritual life and the connection with God, and, and all of that is true. Mm-hmm. But uh, pastors are beset by the same challenges in life that that other Christians are beset with, but yet our role is to have that that deep, constant connection with God. And it's so easy when you've got people ringing you up left, right and centre and emails and meetings to attend and, and visitations to do or whatever it may be, preparing sermons even, and putting all of that because it's pressing mm. upon the foundational which doesn't seem to be pressing so often. Mm. No one um, rings you up every day and say, hey, have you spent time with God today? But uh, the church members will ring you up, the the, uh, the the church clerk will ring you up, or the treasurer, or whoever it may be, will ring you up and saying, "Hey, you were meant to get this done for me. Have you done it yet?" Yeah. And, and yeah. so, building a devotional life is really about forming um, a constant. Forming a pattern. In other words, what you're saying here is that 
pastors are actually finding facing exactly the same pressures as what most of our uh, certainly uh, professional and uh, working people uh, are actually facing. Because the thing that I'm really conscious of is that uh, many of our, uh, certainly many of the people in my church, you know, a lot of them come from a professional background. And, uh, you know, to me, I'm just so conscious that if you um, uh, look at uh, look at them and say, well, how did things go today? They'll give you a, a big sigh and say, oh. It's good to be at the end of the day. I think I've made it. And yet, so so our world is so hectic and frenetic. And and you know, you and I speak off air and ask each other what our lives or days have been like, and they're crazy at times, aren't they? And and that's the same for most people. The people listening, their lives would be like that. And Satan can get us so busy. But David, how do I remedy this? Okay. Because I mean, this yeah. is something that you know. I, I know know myself that uh, you know. I mean, um, uh, you know. I'm thankful. I'm I'm a morning person. I'm a natural morning person. I like to jump out of bed at at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, okay, there's a little bit of a routine there for myself. But you know, I, I'm really conscious that you know, uh, you know, I mean, according to this survey, uh, you know, only a third of pastors uh, are actually involved uh, in spending time in the Word, in praying. Uh, as a result, their regard for the Word has actually dropped away. Uh, as a result... Well, it gets replaced with your own human values. Uh, human values. And where does it leave you? So let me answer this quickly. But first of all, uh, what, as we've been talking, I've been drawn to Hebrews 2, where the Apostle says, therefore, verse 1, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Yeah. So yeah. the writer of Hebrews is concerned that the Christians he's writing to might drift. Drifting is a pleasant activity. It is not something that uh, it's not at full steam. It's not at full speed. It is just a, a casual drift down a stream. Mm-hmm. And so when we neglect our devotional life, there doesn't appear to be any real danger. Yeah. We'll skip a day or we'll skip two days. Yeah. And and you can't really notice the difference. Life yeah. goes on. But the continual practice of drifting can be fatal. Yeah. Physically and spiritual. So uh, another text I'm drawn to is Daniel 6, you know, when the edict is put out that, that uh, people can only worship the Medo-Persian king uh, for 30 days, Daniel... This uh, man who is in high authority, or and and the 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 problem is you'll be thrown to the lions. He goes home and it says, as was his practice since his youth, he'd prayed in the morning, the evening, the afternoon, the evening. So it is about consistency. When I look at the life of Jesus, um, it says that um, you know when it was day, when the, when the day broke, he would get up early mm-hmm. and he would spend time with God. But he would get up and he'd go to a deserted place. Yeah. So a couple of things. One. Um, and if you're a night worker, I understand it would be different. But for me, when I spend time with God before anyone else is up, before the distractions of yeah, of yeah, the day, yeah. that is that precious time with yes. God. Uh, the second thing is that uh, Jesus went to a desolate place often. Mm-hmm. You cannot deeply engage or it's difficult to. Yeah. I'll say it's difficult to. When there are so many people around, yeah, and that's why the morning's good for for many yeah, people if yeah, they're if yeah. they're morning people, yeah, and and doing that in a place that is secluded, something that is that is private without distraction, mm. minimising the distractions. Yeah. So in other words, what we've actually uh, actually saying here is that it's this importance of prioritising and fitting this time into you know, uh, David, the thing that I'm getting coming more and more conscious of, I believe the time in which we're now living 
in this world's history is just uh, saying saying to me, uh, we uh, as as Christian as Bible believing people have to come to the point of prioritizing uh, that which is really important in our life. I mean, that means that it may be that there are some things that we actually have to say, look, we can no longer actually become involved in those uh, in those things. You know, uh, maybe it's uh, hey, look, you know, I mean uh, the late nights that I've been mm. pushing on one end uh, means that I can't do something else on the other end. And so for a pastor, you've hit it on the head. Yeah. Pastors generally like to please people. Yeah. They generally like someone says, can you do this? They will often yeah. say yes. Yeah. So even for a pastor, there comes that point where they need to be saying, and any church member, any Christian, yeah. um, there are some things we need to say no to because there is more fundamental things, foundational yeah. things, yeah. such as building yeah. that devotional yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I agree with you there totally, totally, David. I think this is uh, so key to the era in which we're actually living. But look, um, I, I think there's a message there to pastors. There's a message there to us all. Uh, what a challenge this is, uh, you know, to uplift the Word of God is so important in the day and age in which we're living, but we need to be reading it into it ourselves. Uh, look, guys, if you've got any comments or thoughts uh, on this particular subject, if you'd like to give us some feedback, please feel free to do that by texting us at 04888 80811. 04888 80811. If you want to give us some feedback, because I'd love to hear uh, what it is that you've got to say on uh, on this subject. Uh, folks, look, let's come to some uh, some music. This is the Norton Hill Band and uh, Love. Uh, this is uh, uh, a rendition of the church as one foundation, one of the great hymns of the uh, of the Christian church. Please, uh, please enjoy the Norton Hill Band. Uh, the church has one foundation.
And that was uh, the Norton Hill Band, and that was the church has one foundation. Uh, what a beautiful, uh, beautiful rendition that uh, that really, really was. Uh, now, look, guys, we do have a giveaway book uh, for you today. Uh, this book's entitled The Invitation, True Stories That Will Change Your Life. Uh, this is uh, Andrew Angelo Bolton, uh, who, uh, who, who's written this, uh, this particular book. And now look, this is the, the sort of book, uh, that if you want to be inspired, this is the book to get, uh, because, uh, this book just simply tells stories of how people's lives have been changed, uh, through the inworking of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is exciting. Look, this is the sort of thing. I mean, I, I know that uh, many families, one of the things that they, they like to be able to do uh, is to have family worship. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to come together in the early evening. You know, maybe just after you've finished, uh, uh, finished uh, dinner, uh, maybe, uh, you know, before you start the evening activities, just to simply turn around and to spend some time, uh, just debriefing on the day to say, hey, look, you know, how's your day been? Uh, and to spend uh, ten or fifteen minutes, and to read a story, and these are the sorts of stories you can you can read. Uh, to be able to spend time just in a, a simple prayer for the for each member of the of the family, it's a really beautiful experience. Can I challenge you? If you want to have something that's really worth reading, this is the book for for you. The book's entitled "The Invitation: True Stories That Will Change Your Life." Now, look, if you'd like that particular book, uh, all you need to do is to text us here at our studio text number uh, that uh, studio text number is 04888 808104 80811 and all you need to do is in that text just simply uh, use the code SA71 SA71 no gap between the SA and the 71 and uh, uh, and that'll go directly to our robot uh, our robot's name is uh, Pilgrim uh, it used to be faithful but uh, our IT guys changed it from uh, faithful to Pilgrim why the IT guys did that I haven't a clue to this uh, day it confused uh, those of us who are sitting on the uh, uh, on this end of the microphone but uh, that that's fine. A pilgrim or faithful, he will respond to you and uh, he'll just simply ask some for information so that uh, we can get that book to you in the fastest possible way. Gary, uh, you've solved me. I need to get this book. Now, I don't, I don't know if I'm able to ring up and send the text message in, but um, I love uh, reading stories, uh, our children and my wife as a family, and um, this book sounds really good, so I'm going to go ahead and get it. Uh, so you're going to send in this seventy-one? Well, I might not do that. I'll, I'll probably go and buy it. But but I, I yeah, it's I want to get it. Ah, uh, that's that's uh, what David. I tell you what, we will give you special permission to put in SA seventy-one into your text phone or to that number oh four triple eight eight oh eight oh eight eleven and uh, grab this, and you can have a copy of this book. We need more uplifting stories of what God is doing in we the do. world in which we, we live. So we I do. really want to encourage our listeners to send a text message in and ask for this free giveaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, look, this week we're talking about discipleship. What we're trying to do is talk about, you know, what does it really mean to be a disciple? How do I practice that? How do I become involved? And uh, everything we're talking about this week and is is in that particular vein. It's powerful. So the invitations, true stories that will change your life and uh, SA71. And that uh, number again is 04888 
808 Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher. And David is the uh, lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in uh, in South Oz. Now uh, this week we are following that theme, that Jesus, the Spirit and discipleship, because I'm totally convicted that the three actually go together. You know, I want to follow Jesus, but to do that without having the Holy Spirit, uh, I I really can't walk as a disciple without the Spirit living in me. And, of course, that links into prayer as well. But, look, we want to just have a look, explore a little bit more about this whole scenario today. And today we are looking at that question, you know, how are disciples made? What does it mean to actually live as a, as a disciple? Now, David, take us away. You've been in, in Christian ministry. You've been in a Seventh-day Adventist ministry now for, uh, for umpteen years years uh you know you're starting to look gray on <laughs> on top there uh not that, quite that's why we're on radio gary not tv yes as uh, somebody someone said yesterday as someone you. said to me yesterday they said uh, gary you have a good face for radio and uh, i i thought that's an old one that really is so, so gary as as you've been talking there a song has come into my head that we would have learnt no doubt and many people would have as a ch- as a child read your bible pray every day and you'll grow 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 yeah, yeah and there is a verse that i didn't know so well it was like forget your bible or neglect your bible and f- neglect your bible forget to pray and you'll shrink 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 yeah and this is really true and so what does it mean to live as a disciple um, in John 1 4 Jesus uh, the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world and um, light uh, shines into darkness and the darkness John says does not overcome the light but rather the light overcomes the darkness so um, when you live for Jesus and when you truly are a follower of Jesus, someone that wants to practice and follow what he did, uh, your life will clearly show that you're a Christian. Now, sometimes I've, I've uh, met people and I've known them for some time and um, haven't even realized they're a believer. Mm, mm. And sometimes I know church members who, who, um, you know, might have someone new comes to their work. And, um, I've had that new person on occasion tell me they didn't even realize that someone in their workplace was an Adventist and uh, a Seventh Adventist Christian. And yet that Christian is my, my church member. Yeah. So a true follower of Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus and a, and a disciple is someone that follows and imitates. Imitates Jesus. It's actually virtually, it is impossible to actually be able to disguise the fact that you are a a Christian person. Absolutely. So you can be Christian in head, the head knowledge, but if you don't have the heart and the hands that follow, then really you're not a Christian. And so Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, uh, it says this. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So Jesus, this is in the the Beatitudes, this is just after the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. He says to his followers, You are the salt of the earth. Mm, mm. Now, salt is meant to to be uh, sprinkled to be spread, mm-hmm. not to be clumped together, and it permeates yep. what it gets into and flavors it. So Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. He doesn't say, uh, I want you to be, or you should be, or can you be. He says, you are, talking to believers. Mm. So the question is not whether we're the salt, it's what quality of salt 
And he goes on and he says uh, further, he says, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on, on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Therefore, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So as I read these verses, how can I... Uh, how can I um, tell people or profess to be a believer, a Christian, if um, people cannot tell that there is a light shining out of me, that there is something within me that makes me different, and that something within will actually reveal itself outwardly? Mm. Because Jesus says, you are the light. Yes, yeah, yeah. And a light on a hill cannot be hidden. But David, do you think that our, you know, our secular world, our consumeristic environment is something that works totally against uh, the, uh, uh, you know, this, this concept of being light or salt? I mean, you know, in a secular world, how can you possibly be light? And salt. Uh, yeah, really good question, Gary. And and those two images that Jesus gave are essentially of salt. It's it's to be dispersed. It's yeah, yeah. To, it's not to if it sticks together, it's horrible. It's to yeah. be dispersed. Light. If it if too much light stays together, it can be dangerous. You get this powerful like a laser beam, if you like, yeah, that can yeah, cause damage. Yeah. Both are to be dispersed. Both are to be poured out and shared. Yeah. And so, in a consumeristic um, material world that is secular, it is. Is aimed at what I can get and receive and consume and hold on to. Mm. So to be a true follower of Christ means not only to to follow His teachings, but our lifestyle should mirror and should reflect that of Jesus, who poured out His life, who sacrificed his, Himself for other people. In other words, a disciple is a person who will actually be challenging the values of. A secular world. I mean, I, I think, for example, you know, I mean, uh, for example, you know, we live in a secular world that says, look, you know, my aim is to get, 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 accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. Uh, whereas what the scriptures talk about to disciples is say, I want you to be uh, generous people. Better to, it is better to give than to receive. Exactly. And, and so a Christian is to be seen not so much by their words, but through their actions. And what I really like, uh, Gary, in, in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse, let me find the verse, verse 13, we have the story of Peter and John that uh, are before the Jewish religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, yeah. and they're commanded uh, not to speak in the name of Jesus and things such as this uh, because they've been preaching Jesus is the Christ, the one you crucified. But then what actually happens here in this story it says in verse 13 of Acts 4, it says, Now when they, this is the religious leaders, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Ah. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful? This is really key, isn't it, David? You know, it's so easy to actually put, your, put so much knowledge in your mind about things that we should be doing in order to be a disciple. And the more we work at it, the less it actually happens. But these disciples, what they, they have been with Jesus. They have spent time with Jesus. And in spending time with Jesus, apparently they have been changed 
from the inside out. Yes, almost. It's not even a fact of them, I don't think, um, uh, premeditating, we've got to do this, this and this. Yes. The fact that they've been connected to the life source, which ties back to that World Watch segment, the yep. fact that they've spent time with Jesus, they cannot but help um, uh Proclaim, and their lives cannot but bear evidence and witness and fruit to the fact that they have been with Jesus. Okay, yeah. Look, David, I've actually got a, got a question for you because, uh, as uh, as some of our listeners would be aware, we've actually uh, this is our, our week of prayer. We're featuring the the subject of uh, discipleship this week, and uh, uh, we've we've been. I, I certainly have a number of readings here, and uh, there's a uh, there's something that uh, comes out of uh, one of those uh, one of those pages that. I I read just a day or so ago that really hit me as a radical form of discipleship. Now, uh, I want to um, uh, I want to just read it to you. Get your response because if ever, I mean, I would call it radical discipleship, but uh, is it too radical? This is that. Let's see. Um, hey? This is this is what it says. Scripture calls, and it looks at various portions of society. Scripture calls on spouses to live as genuine disciples at home. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church, for we are members of the body. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them believe not the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives uh, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. If you are a parent, your discipleship is revealed in the way you interact with your children, fathers or Parents, uh, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. If you are a child, living as a disciple requires that you obey your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Paul admonished the youth to confirm their discipleship through their characters. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in purity, and in faith. Now, David, when I read that, I sort of thought, wow, this is a, this is a radical form of a discipleship. Uh, you know, I mean, to me, I would actually call it countercultural. It's so, I dare say, it's contrary to human nature. Now, David, look, um, look, let's come to some music. I want to give you a bit of chance to, 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 to think, about, to think about this, to think about this one. I, what I'd like to know is, is this radical form of, um, of discipleship, is it possible in the world in which we're living today, and if it is possible, how is it possible? Because it's contrary to human nature. Uh, but we'll come to that in just uh, just a moment. Uh, this is uh, Evie. Uh, give them all. Uh, please enjoy uh, this uh, this wonderful piece of music.
you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Wrap up all the shattered dreams of your life. Give them all, give them all to Jesus. I think I'm probably saying, uh, sharing my age now. I really, I remember hearing that. I think back in about uh, uh, in the early '80s, uh, sometime, uh, David. That was a, you know, that was a real hit back there. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I barely uh, remember that, Gary. You, you're not old enough, but you got grey hair there still. I do, I do notice it's coming, David. You need to shave it all off, less like uh, I, I have done uh, very, very recently, folks. We do have. That uh, give away a book for you. Uh, the book's The Invitation, True Stories. This will change your life. Uh, this will inspire you. Uh, some books are hard to read. This one's easy to read. Uh, this is the book that you need to pick up. Now, look, if you'd like a copy of The Invitation, all you need to do is to text us here. Our studio text number 04888-80811. And it's SA71 is the code that you need to put in. No gaps, just SA71. It'll go to our robot 
he'll contact you, get some information so that we can get this to book to you in the fastest uh, possible uh, possible way. You'll love uh, this this particular book. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, a big Q and A with Pastor Gary. And today, a co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the uh, lead pastor of the Seventh Day Adventist Church here in uh, in South Oz. Uh, now this uh, this week. We're following the theme, Jesus, the spirit and discipleship. And today we're looking at uh, that question. You know, this discipleship, does it come naturally? Uh, is it more than simply belief? Or is it something that has to be learned or can it be learned? Is there another power at work here? What is actually uh, going on? Now, David, just before uh, the uh, the break there, uh, I share a great big uh, uh, list of things. You know, I mean, the Apostle Paul you know he's a super radical person. He talked to uh, very directly to uh, to spouses. He spoke to husbands. Then he spoke to wives. Uh, then he talked to parents. Uh, then he talked to children about what it means to actually live as a as a disciple. Now I, I suggested to you that uh, this these things that Paul suggests are actually incredibly countercultural. They they're totally human. Uh, to, to human human nature, and uh, I, I suppose, uh, firstly, if I can just ask, you know, what's your response to this this list? Uh, uh, is it too radical for the world in which we're living? Uh, how would you respond? Look, it is radical, I believe, in the world in which we live, because it it is countercultural, as you've said. The world is consumeristic; it is focused on self, A- and just like we talked about salt. Salt to be effective should be dispersed. Light to be effective, you want it to be dispersed. It's a giving, a pouring out. Uh, and essentially, this radical discipleship, if you, if you like, which is, which is really love in action. Yeah. yeah. Um, is countercultural because we think love is something we get or some things that we want. Yeah. Where this is about giving and pouring out to others. And we've said that discipleship is someone who actively imitates both the teaching and the life of the master. Now, when we looked at that first passage that you raised in Ephesians 5, 25 to 30, it says there, Scripture call, it says there, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then it says, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. So the the pattern is set. Uh, Jesus loves the church and there should be a similar love and and care that a husband has for his spouse, just like Christ has for the church. We're imitating in a human perspective what a divine perfect God does for us, his children or the church. And so uh, this is countercultural because as humans we're selfish. Uh, there is only wickedness within us. Even our thoughts are evil. And mm-hmm. evil continually. Uh, and then you've got the wives submitting to their husbands. Uh, and this is in First Peter 3. I mean, we better not publish that on uh, on Facebook because if we publish that on social media, we're going to get thumped. Uh, huge. You are correct. And so it is countercultural. Interestingly, I use this text often uh, for men and women, particularly if they've come to the faith uh, to Christianity and their spouse, whether it's a male or a female, is unbelieving. Mm. And instead of them going away and Bible bashing their spouse with the new truths of Scripture that, that have been uncovered and have been revealed, I say, listen, follow this passage, whether it's a lady or a man, when it says, um, it says, um, uh, 
it says here that if any of them, your spouses, do not believe the word, that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. In other words, our our life that we live will have a greater influence on a non-believing spouse than it will be to preaching to them from the Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so that's countercultural. Mm. Because what we're realizing is that we cannot change a human heart. We cannot um, get our spouse to love us. We cannot get our child to love us or respect us. We cannot get, um, you know, it's basically we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to change us and to change the other individual. In other words, there is a, a, a natural human nature that is in us all that responds in a particular way. The natural, it's a cause and effect. If I punch you in the nose, the likelihood is that you will punch me in the nose in response. It's, it's human nature. That's the Sinful way, that's the way nature. it works. You yep. know, I'm driving down the road and someone, uh, waves at me in an inappropriate manner. Uh, how easy it is to lay on the horn, uh, tailgate them. Uh, and finally, uh, you know. Have you I- seen me driving, have you? <laughs> David, look, uh, you know, to me as I look at this, you know, human nature and, uh, you know, you mentioned the Holy, can the Holy Spirit really change human nature? Really good question. Well, we know that we can't. Mm -hmm. It's cosmetic. So John chapter 14 uh, verse 16 says, this is Jesus to his disciples on the night of his arrest. The next day he's going to be crucified. So this is really his last message to his disciples. And he says, and I will pray to the father and he will give you another helper. So in other words, another helper, I'm the helper, Jesus is saying, but if I'll pray to the Father, he says, and he will give you another helper, someone like me. And Jesus says that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So Jesus is saying, um, I've been a helper to you, I've been a comforter, a counselor to you, but I'm going. Yeah. But I'm giving you another one. In fact, one. Christ turns around and says, it's to your advantage that I go that I go away. Now, to me, you know, when I read that, I sort of, you know, it really sets me back a few paces because here, hey, if ever I wanted Jesus Christ here on this earth, I look at it and say, hey, you know, Lord, you know, surely it would be better for you to stay. And he says, no, 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 it's your advantage that I go away. But if I go away, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to send this gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's really good because a gift you cannot buy, a gift you often don't deserve, and yet God has come on a relentless search of humanity to rescue humanity. Jesus died on the cross, rose again, went to heaven, and that's why it's to our advantage that he went because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once. And this is uh, John 16 verse 7 where he says it's to our advantage that he goes. And he says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. So the Holy Spirit, and it goes on further in verse 13, his role is to convict us of sin, to guide us into truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit shows us and convicts us uh, of how wicked and evil and how futile it is to think that we can achieve um, uh, discipleship or self-sacrifice or a relationship with God mm. on our own. We cannot. And this is why Christ is able to say, you are the light of the world. You know, originally he said, 
I am the light of the world. But later on in his ministry, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is poured out. It's, it's glowing out of the disciples. And now he turns around and says, no, no, you. I know I'm going back to heaven, but now because the Holy Spirit is going to fill you, you become the light of the world. You become the salt of the earth. And you this, become the change agents. This is so critical, Gary, so critical, in fact, that just as Jesus is departing to go up into heaven, to ascend into heaven, um, he tells his disciples to wait for the promise of the Father, which later on in Acts chapter 1, he says uh, he will send the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those disciples could not be effective mm. until they were filled with the power or the ability, the Greek word is, to be witnesses for Jesus. So without the Holy Spirit, we cannot be witnesses. Without the Holy Spirit, uh, we struggle to know what sin is, and we yeah. cannot work, we cannot overcome sin through the power of the Holy Spirit without without the Holy Spirit. In other words, this entire week, what we're talking about is this issue of discipleship, uh, and yet the discipleship, uh, devoid of the Holy Spirit, is simply another word. It's simply another teaching. But once you bring in this issue of the Holy Spirit once you have a look at and you accept the Holy Spirit and you say Lord God you know uh, to me that's why I I believe at the beginning of every day to actually commit my life to Jesus Christ uh, in prayer Uh, you know because to to me uh, I I really enjoy my uh, my devotional time uh, early early in the morning in fact I'm normally up around uh, you know a little before five normally and uh, I like to spend an hour or so uh, just in, in some in some devotional type, uh, uh, in some reading, or and certainly in in prayer, uh, and a, a significant amount of time in in prayer. Actually, I, I really believe that that is the power source uh, of the Christian life. If you, you know, I love Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will, will humble, humble themselves, themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Uh, you know, you, you get this wonderful promise uh, that's actually uh, given. Uh, you know, that's an Old Testament promise. Same God that's in the New Testament. The same God who says that this helper will be with you forever. So uh, unless uh, we can only be true disciples if we're filled with the Holy Spirit and if we're seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit to change us, yeah. to give us the heart, uh, a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. And that's the Old Testament born out in the New Testament as well. Indeed, indeed. Look, this is this is incredibly powerful. Now, look, we are coming to very close to the end of our program, David. Look, I'm just wondering if, just as we we do close, how would you like to pray uh, for you know for any of our listeners? I'm conscious that there may be some people who, who might be struggling and saying, "Hey, look, I need this infilling of the Holy Spirit because I want to be able uh, to live for Jesus Christ. I want to be the salt of the earth. I want to be the salt of my family. I want to be the the light of my community." Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the gift that the Holy Spirit can give. Can you just pray for anyone who might be struggling, who who might want to receive that gift? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you that uh, you're a God who didn't establish the world and create things and then went away to rest and, and neglect this planet. Instead, when this planet fell into sin by human choice, you're a God who came on a relentless search to win us back to you. And we see that culminating in the cross, the death of Jesus for our sin, his death, his burial, his resurrection, who now ministers in heaven and who is soon to come back to claim his own. 
And Father, we know that that early Christians could do nothing without the Holy Spirit, the Helper. We need help, Lord. We are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. There is nothing good within us. And Lord, the devil wants to make us feel useless. But Father, may we reach out to you. May we call out to you because you want to give us that gift. And so to our listeners out there, I pray, Lord, that each one, and including us, will say, Lord, please give me your spirit. Please come into my life. Change me. Convict me of sin. Uh, Guide me into all truth. And help me, Lord, to experience the blessing of knowing you. Father, bless, bless us. Bless our listeners, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 David, thank you so much. Friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Ricardo will be looking at the question, is there a cost to being a disciple? Now, this is a big one. This is so important that we understand this. I really look forward to your being with us then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with that gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.